You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. So we've been talking this season about how to lead yourself and how to lead others. And one of the things that we constantly come up against that is a primary focus if you're going to learn how to lead yourself is how to manage emotions. We talk about this in a variety of ways in our culture. We talk about controlling emotions. Uh, We talk about the dangers of ignoring emotions. But the way that we like to frame it is that emotions are a thing that needs to be stewarded. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what are emotions what are the purpose and the value of emotions and how we can respond to them well. In our last episode, we talked about conflict and the conflict resolution styles. Conflict is a great place where emotions start to manifest themselves and bubble up. And the way that we choose to respond to those emotions is going to be one of the most important things about how we feel about our own lives and how we effectively influence people around us. So Kylie, to start us off today, how would you describe emotions? What are they? Well, I would describe our emotions as the body's alarm clock. So essentially, our emotions are there to tell us that something is happening, something's going on, a value is being pressed, and we need to respond somehow to that alarm. Um, The problem with our emotions is that they are not always trustworthy. Um, And so typically we will recognize a pattern, something that has happened in the past, and we sort of piece together what we think is going to happen based on these patterns that we recognize in our heads. And we respond based on what we think is going to happen. And so we tell ourselves a story about what is going to happen, and then we just react based on that. Um, And it's not really helpful because we're not acting on what is like current reality, what is actually happening. We're not acting based on truth. Instead, we're acting based on a supposition of what is actually going on. So our emotions are extremely valuable because they let us know that uh, value of ours is being pressed. They get us into the fight. It's like that little ding of a bell that happens before a boxing match. It tells you like, hey, pay attention. Something important is going on. The problem with emotions is they don't really tell you what is going on. Right. They don't really tell you definitively if your value is being attacked or if it's being reinforced. And so what we tend to do is create these little stories, as Kylie is saying, these patterned ways of uh, thinking about things so that we are constantly in protection mode of our values. We're constantly in a defensive posture, which is the beginning of how we need to be in terms of maturing through our character. We need security as our foundation. But that's not the full story of what we need. We need purpose. We need meaning. We need uh, the help of other people. And so if we're constantly in this security-based defensive mindset, and if we tell ourselves that every time we feel an emotion, it's a threat, 
um, then we are cutting ourselves off from some of the truth that, that our emotions might be saying, which sometimes an emotion is telling you, hey, you need to engage in this fight because, well, there you go. I'm doing it right now. They'll tell you, hey, you need to engage in this discussion because your presuppositions are being challenged and you need to learn more. Essentially, what we want to do with our emotions is treat them as a GPS, a navigator of sorts. Um, You wouldn't allow... The navigator does not sit in the driver's seat. The navigator sits in the passenger seat, and it helps to guide us and direct us in which way to go. But at the end of the day, the driver, the person who is paying attention to the road, who is checking all the rearview mirrors, who is steering the wheel, um, is the one who is in control of the car. And they get the opportunity to listen to the navigator, but the choice to act and the choice to respond should always be um, the choice of the driver of the car. And so I cannot allow my emotions to drive my car. If I let my emotions drive my car, I would drive myself off the road multiple times. My insurance rates would be insane. And so we need to learn to allow our emotions to navigate us and help us to figure out what is true, what is right, what is going on in this world. But then it's our responsibility to take ownership of our choices, our perspective, and who we trust in the midst of that. We love to compartmentalize as human beings. And so we love to try to come up with these formulas that work across the board in every situation and every setting. And the two camps, the two sort of formulas that we've developed as humans around emotions are first, that they need to be shut down, that they're a problem that needs to be avoided, that needs to be ignored, that needs to be cast aside. And that's not really accurate. Our emotions are valuable. If we ignore them, we close ourselves off from uh, some triggers that help us to engage with our values. And so it's not really helpful for us to say, I need to shut these down. We often talk about controlling emotions as if they're these problems that we need to uh, put a, a shackle on. And, and that's not really how emotions work. The other camp is that we just give our emotions free reign. They become the God of our lives. Whatever we feel is what is true. And so they become an idol that we basically worship at the altar of. And so again, we try to establish one of these two formulas so that we can make a broad stroke solution to our emotions and we can shackle them into a cage that's smaller and easier for us to control. But emotions are messier than that. Dealing with life is messier than that. One of the best movies, one of my favorite movies in terms of this especially is the Pixar movie Inside Out, where they show that it's just complicated. Sadness isn't always a bad emotion and joy isn't always a good emotion. And they're not even like opposites. They sometimes can merge together and coexist even at the same time. And the movie does a great job of portraying just the complexity of what it is to be an emotional creature. So stewarding our emotions is about stepping into that complexity, not trying to cut it off at one end or the other, but really saying like, okay, emotions are bizarre and complex. 
So how do I acknowledge them without worshiping them? How do I give them their due without giving them everything else in the process? And that's kind of what we're um, supposed to be doing as human beings. And that's difficult. That's a lot easier to even say than it is to accomplish. Um, there's this really great book. Uh, it's it's a bit of a slog, but I highly recommend it if you want to understand a little bit more about this. Um, and it's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And Daniel Kahneman was a researcher who worked with Amos Traversky, and they did a lot of study of people to try to think or to try to understand how people think and how people react and respond to the world around them. And they came up with this theory that the brain works in two different ways. Uh, The first way is system one. And so system one is essentially... uh, It is learned behavior. Um, We recognize patterns. We develop this system of recognizing patterns, things that we've seen happening before in life. And we respond based on what we think is going to happen in the future, as long as our brain is recognizing these patterns. And so system one is wonderful because it kind of runs on autopilot. Uh, Walking is a system one behavior. Um, If I see a glass falling off the counter, because I've seen what happens when a glass falls off the counter and it hits the floor and shatters before, I know automatically just to reach out and catch that glass. And so system one is this beautiful thing that helps us to um, walk through life without expending too much energy on the things that we do all of the time. Um, and so once we learn a behavior, we tend to rely really heavily on our system one in order to sort of guide us through life. Uh, so we feel something, we feel an emotion, we act based on that emotion, uh, and then we sort of come back and think about it after. The second way that our brains work is system two. And system two is slower. Um, It is deep thought. It is intentional. Um, It is incredibly draining on our systems, on our brain. Uh, It takes a lot of energy. And so because of that, it's really lazy. Um, And our system two is basically learning. It's learning how to do things. So the first time you rode a bicycle or the first time you got into a car when you were 16 years old and you were learning how to drive, everything was new to you. Everything was system two. And so you had to be really intentional about your thoughts and your actions and what you were doing to make sure that you were doing it correctly. Um, And it wasn't easy. It was hard work. And what happens is your system two, because it's hard work, is lazy and it doesn't run in autopilot. And so typically our system twos kick in when our system one is strained, when our system one isn't quite sure what to do. Um, And when that's the case, we feel something and we think about it. Wait a minute. I'm not quite sure how to react or how to respond to this. And so I'm going to think about it, figure it out slowly, and then act based on that. Uh, System two is beautiful, too. Our system twos are the things that have developed our system ones into what they are today. Um, And so what 
happens is that our system ones tend to run on autopilot, but we've learned these different patterns and these different behaviors that aren't necessarily always good or always healthy. And so when we see something, when we see a pattern uh, that we recognize, um, we behave based on what we've seen happen before. And so we could get defensive to protect ourselves. Um, we could get complacent. Um, th- we could get angry because that's the thing that we've seen happen over and over again. And so we know that this is the way that I behave when this happens. Um, and when you're working with other people, when you're working on a team and in a community, um, we have to be intentional about recognizing what our emotions are telling us and actually thinking through, okay, is this right? Is this correct? Can I trust my emotion right now? Or is it telling me something and that's not actually what's going on in this current reality? Um, A good friend of ours uh, that we work with, his name is Tim. He uses the system called LID, L-I-D-D. And so whenever his emotions are sparked, um, he sort of slows himself down and says, okay, so the first step is L, listen. So listen to what your emotions are telling you. Am I angry? Am I scared? Am I sad? Am I happy? And then investigate, why do I feel that way? Um... We typically don't tend to do this step, Um, and it's so important because it actually helps us to discover what value is being pressed and if we need to act upon it. Um, The first D is decide. And so based on our values, we get to decide what we are going to do and how we are going to respond. So listen, investigate, decide based on your values, and then dismiss. And dismiss is basically saying, okay, I've got this. I'm the one who's in control of this situation or in control of my emotions, not my emotions in control of me. And now I'm going to act based on that. So Joey, why does all of this matter? Well, I think the reason that this matters is that our emotions are such an important part of who we are and how we express ourselves. And so if we are going to be people who are influencing others, and even if we're just going to be people who are living the best lives we can possibly live, We've got to be intentional about how we interact with our emotions, how we express them, how we perceive them. So I think it's important because we have to learn how to be a whole person and work in harmony within ourselves, because that's the only way that we can really engage in relationships with other people and uh, work and organizations and institutions in a healthy manner. If we're not operating at our best capacity, then we're going to bring a lot of those weaknesses and biases and unhealthy patterns into the communities that we participate in, which just expounds um, things like division and uh, um, disagreement and unhealthy things, including things like uh, codependency and whatever else. Um, So emotions are important. They're important to us. We feel them all the time. We carry them with us every day. They're popping up like fireworks in us all the time. And we've got to learn 
why they're there and we've got to do better at um, following their trail and seeing them as opportunities and valuable rather than as poisons and obstacles. I think about conflict specifically um, because our emotions are so triggered during conflict um, because of patterns we've recognized in the past because of how our family systems deal with conflict um, specifically when Joe and I first got married um, our families deal with conflict wildly different and we've been modeled these different behaviors and learned based on the behaviors that have been modeled that this is the way that it works this is the way that you do it And so I walked into our marriage with this preconceived idea of what it looks like to be in conflict with other people. And Joe walked into our marriage with this totally different preconceived idea of what it looks like to have conflict and interact with other people. And our ways of interacting and dealing with conflict were wildly different. And so the first time we ever got into a conflict and Joe just like walked away from me, I was like (laughs) livid. I was so angry because I'm a computer and I want to win. And the way that my family deals with conflict is the loudest voice wins. And so we take turns just getting louder and louder and louder and trying to beat the other person out until finally someone says, okay, you've won. But Joe just walked away from me. He wasn't even willing to engage with me. And so suddenly my system one was strained and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with conflict with my husband. I And so I had to choose to do something differently. Um, and my family can also be very defensive in conflict, but defensiveness does not work in our marriage. Um And so we actually had to work really hard to communicate through and figure out how we together can be on the same team and can resolve conflict together. And because of that, because our system ones were strained and we didn't know what to do and we had to put energy and time and practice into this, it's actually helped us to develop a healthier system one and a healthier way of dealing with conflict. And what is really kind of sad, but also a little bit funny is we have conflict all the time in our marriage and we just sort of talk through it and figure it out and it's not a big deal. Um, But God forbid I get onto the phone with one of my brothers or my mom and we get into conflict, I immediately just like flip back into competition mode, right back into my familiar patterns of system one. And I'm like fists up, ready to go. And Joe just like does not understand it um, because that's not the way that him and I have decided or chosen to resolve conflict within our relationship. I don't resolve conflict with anybody else in this world in that way anymore. But I get back into that familiar situation and that familiar pattern, and suddenly I'm like fists up and ready to go, Um, which is really, really, it makes me sad to think about um, and is something that I need to be intentional about 
when conflict does happen within my relationship with my family, especially knowing that it is such a triggering um, system one emotional thing that I need to slow down enough to not allow myself to get caught up and wrapped up in the emotions that I'm feeling at the time. One of the things that has been really helpful for me lately thinking about emotions is the importance of time. When something happens, we, we talked about emotions as an alarm clock. What, what is your first just uh, response to an alarm going off? You want to make it stop. That's what you want to do. And emotions are the same sort of way. They want to be uh, addressed. Uh, maybe they don't want to be addressed so much as we want to address them. And so what happens is uh, I will just slap at the alarm clock to just get it to, to stop. <laughs> and that's not the healthiest thing. I mean, why do we have alarm clocks? Why do we have this annoying noise to get us up in the morning. It's because if we don't, we're going to sleep through our day. We're going to continue to apathetically, complacently cruise through existence. So our emotions are valuable because they're waking us up. They're letting us know like there's some life that needs to be lived right here. There's some conversations that need to be happened. There's some actions that need to be taken. And when we don't see them that way, when we see them as just a nuisance or a loud noise that just needs to be shut off as quickly as possible, we lose their sense of value. So again, it was so helpful for me to, to hear that, that, that when you're feeling an emotion, time is one of the best assets that you have. And I don't mean that you should spend days and weeks just stewing in whatever emotion shows up. But as soon as it hits, as Kylie was talking about with Lid, like give yourself a chance, like take a deep breath and say, let's investigate what this is. Let's see what is going on inside of me. Because when you feel an emotion that we associate as negative, something like anger, your initial uh, instinct is to act out in some sort of violent manner to justify and in a sense try to silence and uh, fulfill uh, that anger. And when we feel joy, our initial desire is to like jump up and celebrate and bask in that joy. But what's deceptive about both of those responses is that sometimes our joy is superficial and a sense of entitlement that isn't helpful. And sometimes our anger is uh, is misplaced or is an invitation for us to grow that we're missing because we don't like change and those patterns are being threatened. And so if we just give ourselves a little bit of time, just a little bit of time to say, this is what I'm feeling. Why am I feeling it? And what can I do as a response? We'll set ourselves up way better to experience the kind of life that we're hoping for and to engage in our communities much more effectively. That actually makes me think of um, there's a time and a season for everything, um, including every single emotion that you have to come to the surface and express itself. But we need to figure out what that time and when that season is and make sure that we're appropriately using and expressing our emotions. And I think the phrase you just used there at the end, our emotions, reminds me of, of a thing we talk about quite often in terms of like 
The emotions you feel are yours. They are your fault.、Mm. Uh, they are your responsibility.、Uh, I always do this, even you know, even in the midst of being involved with these this material and, and rethinking this all the time. I'll say things like, "Oh, Kylie is just making me angry. She is doing something annoying, and it's making me feel this way." And that's just not true. What Kylie does can be annoying sometimes. I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> but. the The emotion is mine. The emotion is something that belongs to me. So the people around you, the circumstances around you, they can trigger your emotions, but they are not responsible for your emotions. You are responsible for your emotions, and that's not anything that you should be ashamed of. If Kylie does something that's annoying me and I'm angry, I don't need to be ashamed that I'm feeling anger. I just need to say, like, well, why am I feeling angry? And most of the time, it's because I feel as though I'm not being seen or heard or valued in some sort of way. So again, I mentioned this earlier, but our base need is security. That is like foundational for us. But our highest need is purpose. Our highest need is meaning. And too infrequently do we associate our emotions with meaning. We associate it with security. So as soon as we feel them, we start to、uh, tell these pattern narratives about that foundational need in our lives, and we don't understand that they might be inviting us into something deeper, something higher, something much more substantive. But the real key at the beginning is to say, "This anger is my anger, and I'm feeling it because of the values that I have. I want to be loved. I want to be seen. I want to be heard." And when that's denied to me, I'm angry. I get upset about it, not because of another person, but because it is a value within me. And so, to recognize that I've got to change and I've got to deal with emotions from the inside out, I've got to acknowledge that this is my anger and I'm feeling it for a reason. And so, I may need to communicate to Kylie how whatever she is doing might be、um, triggering this emotion. But I've got to just take ownership of my emotions and say that these are my feelings and things that are happening within me, and not give so much power away to the external circumstances and the people that are around me. The more that we cultivate an awareness of our emotions and our values and the things that are important to us, the More intentionally, we can lead ourselves and influence other people,、uh, influence the culture around us to do something differently,、um, to behave in a way that we might not、um, have been modeled. Uh, in the past,、um, we work with students day in and day out at a college,、uh, and we get to have conversations with them about what it looks like for them to take ownership of the things that they can control. And your emotions are one of those things.、Um, your choices when you feel those emotions, your perspective, the way that you view people and view the world when your emotions come up,、uh, and whether or not you're going to trust somebody. Uh, based on how you are feeling in 
whatever situation or circumstance you are in is yours to own and yours only. Uh, You can't control other people's emotions. You can't control how they respond, but you get to influence them. And the more you are aware of your own behavior and your own choices and your own perspective and attitude, the And the more you take ownership of those things uh, and channel them towards something positive, the more you will influence other people in this world to do the same because they will look at you and they will see something that they don't have. And they'll say, why is that person different? Wow, I want what they have. How come they're so chill when this thing like that's crazy is happening? Um, And so we all have an opportunity to take our emotions and steward them well and influence other people to do the same. It strikes me that one of the other reasons that emotions are so valuable is that they are the undercurrent of all of the other leadership tools that we've talked about. So let's take the Freedom V for example. The Freedom V, the arms of the V, are boundaries that are set in place for you by external factors, right? And so when we approach one of those boundaries and somebody like a parent or a teacher or uh, the government or a police officer or something says, okay, you're about to cross this line, don't cross it, we get upset. And why do we get upset? Because we value free expression and uh, the individuality of wanting to be ourselves. So this is why teenagers rebel. We want to cross those lines because we want to feel like you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I matter. I'm a person of importance. So we feel this emotion and we automatically think that because that value is being pressed, it's being threatened. And so what we want to do is step outside of the freedom V. What that emotion is actually inviting us to is to step within the freedom V and create our own set of boundaries that we can take stewardship of ourselves. And so we've got to say to ourselves, I'm a person, I value my individuality, I value my free expression, but here are external boundaries that have been set in place for me. So so how do I reconcile the two? Well, again, there's two perspectives. I can say those external boundaries are foolishness and they're just trying to hurt me and I can run away from them and jump outside of them and which if I do that I've got to deal with consequences I can't avoid that as much as I try the other option is I can say like okay these external boundaries are there to help me but I've got to take ownership of them myself so where am I going to set my own boundaries So this is an example of the freedom V. When we find ourselves in the pit of despair, when we find ourselves in uh, moments of truth or in victim mentality, these are all times when emotions manifest themselves. And when those emotions manifest themselves, we have the opportunity to say either, I'm going to press into the opportunity to learn and grow, or I'm going to fight against... uh, the things about this that I don't understand and don't like and run away from the opportunity to grow. And so I'm going to reinforce either um, my pattern, my uh, system ones. Oh. So I'm going to either reinforce my current system ones or I'm going to allow them to be strained and step into system two. And sometimes reinforcing your original system one is the right option. Most times engaging in your system two is, is a much better idea. But emotions 
or the invitation to that. It's the strain of our system one to say like, all right, you're on cruise control, but here's something that is pressing a value that maybe you should slow down your cruise control, take it off there and do a little bit of manual steering and make sure you're going where you want to go. Make sure you're doing what you want to do. So emotions is a thing that permeates all of the leadership tools that we talk about. And if we do everything that we've talked about in the previous episodes, but we don't handle our emotions well within it, it's going to derail the process. That's good. In the next episode, we are going to dive into how to set better goals in order to move ourselves along the path towards our there with effectiveness. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.